Coming up this week, a recap of all the action from New York City's Formula E E-Pre. United Airlines is talking EV airplanes. Concerning news for some Chevy Bolt owners and more. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 72 of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answers to your questions about electric vehicles. Before we get started with the news this week, I want to thank our podcast partner, Titan Auto & Tire in Mosley, Virginia, for their support. Titan is one of the very few independent shops in Central Virginia that are qualified to work on EVs, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. For more information and to schedule an appointment for your vehicle, go to TitanAutoTire.com. That's TitanAutoTire.com. Formula E returned to the Big Apple New York City this past weekend for rounds 10 and 11 in a weekend packed with exciting driving and wins by BMW i Andretti Motorsports' Maximilian Gunther in round 10 on Saturday and on Sunday in round 11, a victory claimed by Jaguar Racing's Sam Bird. The defining moment of round 10 was when Max Gunther, who was in third position at the time with eight laps remaining, took the lead of the race when Jean-Eric Verne failed in his attempt to overtake race leader Nick Cassidy, making contact and pushing the pair of cars wide, allowing Gunter to dive underneath. Let's take a look. And there goes Vern. Vern on the attack for the lead. They bang wheels and Gunter says thank you very much. And Max Gunter hits the front in New York City. Cassidy's involved. Degrassi trying to get up the inside of Cassidy, who's gone from the lead down to fourth place. Max Gunter through the final corner. The checker flag falls for BMW and Andretti in New York City. Wonderful drive from Gunter. He takes the win. Cassidy, on the unfortunate end of the failed move by Vern, had looked in control for the majority of the race, now had to settle for a fourth-place finish by the end. But that's racing. It's not over until it's over, and in this case, Gunther nailed the opportunity to claim the victory for the American Andretti Motorsports team with a sweet move. And as a racer, when you see an opening, you go for it. On Sunday, Sam Bird claimed his third win at the Brooklyn Street Circuit with a lights-to-flag victory in round 11, putting the veteran on top of the driver standings and making him officially the first driver in Formula E history to win three races at the same track. Bird started on pole position and drove a flawless race, dominating the field seemingly without effort. However, his success was also in part due to his teammate Mitch Evans driving behind him in second place, holding off the rest of the field for the first half of the race. Unfortunately, all dreams of a Jaguar 1-2 finish were lost in the last laps of the race as Evans tapped one of the barrier walls and dropped from 2nd to a 13th place finish with Cassidy and DaCosta sliding into 2nd and 3rd place respectively, where they would then end the race. And we go green in New York City. Good start from Bird, but it's a better start from Cassidy. He is going to pull alongside Mitch Evans down into the first corner. Evans locks up! He's so close to going into the back of his teammate. He somehow holds on to second position. Lotter actually has dropped back, and now Evans is defending, coming down into the left-hander at turn six at the end of Bound Street. And if it finishes like this, the Jaguars would move to the top of the championship. Bird activates attack mode, and then he's let back through by Mitch Evans. Sam Bird leads, Evans is second, Evans covers the inside, Cassidy goes to the outside, not close enough to make a move yet, but this is going to be fascinating stuff. And here it is, what's happened to Mitch Evans, Cassidy's up into second place, Evans has suddenly 
into second position for the Envision Virgin Racing Team. Antonio Felix da Costa's got him into third. And Evans has gone from second down to fourth out of absolutely nowhere. Evans is now under pressure from Pascal Verline. Through two goes Andre Lotterer. It's all fallen apart for Mitch Evans. That's exactly it. That's exactly where he hit the wall in qualifying. And then he just had no grip. Checker flag falls. Sam Bird and Jaguar win in New York City and take the lead of the championship. So with this weekend in the books, Sam Bird sits atop the Drivers' Championship standings with 81 points. Antonio Felix da Costa and Robin Freins tied for second with 76 points. Eduardo Mortara in fourth with 72 points. And Nick Cassidy rounding out the top five with 70 points. Rounds 12 and 13 take place this coming weekend, July 24th and 25th in London, around the 1.4-mile 22-turn Excel circuit that runs along the docks of the Thames River. And if you haven't started following Formula E, it's not too late to check out the action and excitement of electric racing. Head over to FIAFormulae.com for all the latest. Now, let's talk about EV charging for a bit. On the surface, you'd think that EV charging is either simple or it's magic. You just plug in and electrons flow from the charger into your battery. Well, I can tell you it's not magic and also not simple in any way. Think about it for a second. You have more than a dozen auto manufacturers that each have their own cars and their own software running them. And if you're an EV charging network, you've got to design your software to somehow communicate with all of these different cars and make charging work flawlessly. It's really a daunting task. Now with level one and level two charging, it is a lot easier because the actual chargers are built into the cars and all the unit outside the car, the EVSE or electric vehicle service equipment, all that has to do is be a switch that allows the electricity to flow from the source to the onboard charger. However, at one time, this wasn't exactly a simple process either. It's become easier because of two main things, the standardization of the J1772 plug and the use of OCPP. And what is OCPP? Well, it stands for Open Charge Point Protocol, OCPP. The charging standard is regulated by Open Charge Alliance, and in layman terms, it is open networking for EV charging stations. It allows for charging station software from different charging manufacturers to be standardized to a point and be used on any EVSE hardware. Still lost? Here's a brief introduction of OCPP by Anuf Karan, director of the ELAD Foundation. My name is Onof Karen. I'm a director of the ELAD Foundation. ELAD was founded by the Dutch grid operators. OCPP is an initiative of uh, Foundation ELAD. We started in 2009. OCPP uh, is an open charge point protocol, an open communication protocol for communication between the charge point and the back office. OCPP is open source because we believe in the future possibility to innovate and it is not very easy to innovate in with a captive product so that's why we chose for um, an open protocol actually it's a plug-and-play system uh, you go to your website and you download the protocol but of course the protocol for the future purposes has to be managed and because of that we've organized uh, um, a steering group and working groups and through change requests 
the system is um, updated uh, constantly and um, we work together with all the, 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 the countries to, uh, to make it into a better product. What we see is that the, the, there is a broad range of the kind of companies involved in this OCPP. For instance, car man manufacturers, but also software builders, um, manufacturers of, of uh, charging stations, and all kinds of parties that, have, that are in the EV business. How about OCPP in the future? Uh, for now, everybody can join and it's free of charge. Um, but we are looking into how to make it into a cost-neutral uh, formula so that uh, we can continue working on the development of OCPP. And if you're still lost, finally, an analogy by Dario Orizzi of ChargedFuture.com. OCPP is like these days when you buy a cell phone, you get to choose between a number of cellular networks to operate it on. That is essentially the same way you can look at OCPP for charging stations. Without it, if you bought a phone from Verizon, you had to use their network, and if you wanted to switch to AT&T, you had to buy a new phone from AT&T. With OCPP, you get a choice of different networks to use, and without it, you have a hardware that is dedicated to a specific network. And that is what makes OCPP very special. Next, a Japanese company claims they can increase an EV's range by as much as 50% only by changing the type of refrigerant it uses. To be more specific, air conditioner maker Daikin claims that an EV with a range of 124 miles on a full charge operating in an urban area in Japan with the air conditioner running, the new refrigerant could unlock an additional 62 miles of range. That's quite significant. Since air conditioners use heat generated by compressing the refrigerant to heat and cool the air inside the car, the new product reduces the power required for compression, freeing up more electricity for the vehicle to cover a longer distance on a full charge. Now, Daikin has already developed this product, and U.S. industry group SAE International will verify its performance and safety under operating conditions. Interestingly, Daikin is not currently involved in the automotive market, despite being the world's largest air conditioner manufacturer by sales and the leading producer of refrigerant. That will obviously change, though, of course, as they will enter the market with this new EV air conditioner refrigerant by 2025. Moving on to electric airplanes, United Airlines has just inked an electric airplane deal that could bring zero emission flight to the masses. They, along with Breakthrough Energy Ventures and Mesa Airlines, have invested in electric aircraft startup Hart Aerospace. Hart Aerospace is developing the ES-19, a 19-seat electric aircraft that has the potential to fly customers up to 250 miles by the end of this decade. United Airlines has conditionally agreed to purchase 100 ES-19 aircraft once the plane meets United's safety, business, and operating requirements. Mesa Airlines, United's key strategic partner in bringing electric aircraft into commercial service, has also agreed to add 100 ES-19 aircraft to its fleet subject to similar requirements. By utilizing electric motors instead of jet engines and batteries instead of jet fuel, Hart's ES-9 aircraft will have zero operating emissions. Seating 19 passengers, the ES-19 aircraft will, be, will also be larger than any of its all-electric competitors and will be designed to operate on the same types of batteries used in electric cars. Once operational, the ES-19 could operate on more than 100 of United's regional routes out of most of its hubs. And this deal demonstrates a lot of confidence in Hart's design and creates potential for Hart to fast-track the ES-19 introduction to market as early as 2026.
And now, not that I had planned to end the news on a down note, but let's finish up by talking about these fires recently with the Chevy Bolt. And honestly, I have gone back and forth about including this because I don't want to spread misinformation or give anybody the impression that EVs are not safe and that they catch on fire frequently because that is just not true. But this story has escalated to the point where I don't want to ignore it. And also, I want to let you know that if you all have a Chevy Bolt, uh, I want you to know about this just in case for some reason you haven't heard about it yet. So with that little disclaimer out of the way, let's get to this. There have been a number of recent Chevy Bolt EV fires, two within the past couple of weeks, one in May, which had the temporary recall that GM had already put out there, and another July 1st, which had the final software update in Vermont, and then another with the final software fix in New Jersey in the past week. GM has updated their recalled page with an acknowledgement of the problem and is telling owners not to charge overnight at all and not to park inside. The new recall update says this. General Motors has been notified of two recent Chevy Bolt EV fire incidents and vehicles that were remedied as a part of the safety recall announced in November of 2020. Out of an abundance of caution, we are asking owners of 2017 to 2019 Chevy Bolt EVs who were part of the recall population to park their vehicles outdoors immediately after charging and not to leave their vehicles charging overnight while we investigate these incidents. Customers who have not had the remedy completed should visit their dealer for the recall remedy while our investigation continues. At GM, safety is our highest priority, and we are moving qu as quickly as we can to investigate this issue. And a GM spokesperson has confirmed to Electrack that there were eight confirmed fires as of May 25th, with an additional five under, under investigation. This is upped from eight confirmed with only one under investigation as of the end of April. So this is definitely something that owners of 2017 to 2019 Bolt EVs should pay very close attention to. And I suggest if you fall into that date range with your Bolt EV that you contact GM as soon as possible if you haven't already and find out if your car is one that falls under this recall. And all that being said, EV fires are extremely rare, and I do want to point out that even this recall doesn't affect all Bolt EVs, and it doesn't even affect all Bolt EVs from 2017 to 2019, so it's a very small number of cars involved. But it's enough that the growing safety concern needed to be addressed, so I appreciate your understanding about why I wanted to talk about this at all. Ultimately, it's about safety. And if I can do anything to any of my audience that might be affected by this that can help prevent uh, potential disaster, then obviously I want to take the few steps that I'm able to take. And you know what? I don't want to end the podcast there. Let's talk about something happy. Um, I like to try to maintain a certain level of positivity with this podcast. So uh, let's talk about National Drive Electric Week. And that is coming up in a few short months at the end of September. And teams from all over the country are busy planning local events in a nationwide celebration to raise awareness of the many benefits of all electric and plug-in hybrid cars, trucks, motorcycles, and others. And I know I've briefly mentioned a couple of times that EV Resource is planning an event here in Virginia to take place at Dominion Raceway on October 3rd. We are going big for our very first go at holding an event, and I'm really, 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 really excited about what we have in store for our very own National Drive Electric Week event. 
the Electric Vehicle Fall Festival, presented by Mattapanai Winery and Mother's Car Care Products, is a celebration of the people at the core of the electric vehicle community. From DIYers to EV conversion shops to the EV owners like you that day in and day out push the world forward to an all-electric future, we want to celebrate all of it. Taking place across more than 100 acres at Dominion Raceway in beautiful Thornburg, Virginia, the Electric Vehicle Fall Festival will be an action-packed day of electrified fun with a great mix of local food, drinks, live music, a farmer's market, and much, much more. You can experience the latest electric cars, motorcycles, e-bikes, e-scooters, visit with interactive displays, chat with EV owners and EV experts, and maybe best of all, at least in my opinion, test drive your own EV on the thrilling Dominion Raceway two-mile road course, racetrack, and drag strip. DC Fast Charging will be available and on-site provided by Electrify EVSE, and while general admission is free right now, multiple VIP packages will be announced soon, including exclusive behind-the-scenes access, exclusive track time, meals, and so much more. We are putting on the best EV event on the East Coast, and we want you to join us. As I mentioned, general admission is free. There are hotels within a mile of the track for people who are coming from out of town. So start planning your trip to come to the Electric Vehicle Fall Festival by going to electricvehiclefest.com and registering to attend. So that is your show for this week. Thank you so much for watching and listening. Go ahead and share this with your friends and anybody interested in electric vehicles. As always, a big shout out to our Patreon executive producers, Rajiv Narayan and Greg Fuller. James Hart does support us at the producer level. And if you would like to support EV Resource with the podcast, magazine, events, or otherwise, you can check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash evresource. I will invite your feedback to, via email to hello at ev-resource.com. You can always leave a comment on the YouTube video and don't forget to subscribe. That way you'll get all the future shows delivered to you automatically. If you do want to listen to any of the previous podcast episodes, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section and on many of the major podcast platforms. Thank you so much for being with me and I'll catch you next week.